how crazy is it that we're at the final gathering of the year? Does anyone else think it's just mad? Yeah, time flies and the, the weather's not playing game, but hopefully we'll get there. Um, anyway, as, as Sam said, we've been in a series for, I think, four weeks now called Jesus Is, and it's all about uh, looking at the person of Jesus, what his character is like, what his life, death, and resurrection mean for us, what he invites us into. Um, and we've kind of talked about a few things already. We talked about in the first week uh, that if you've given your life to Jesus, Jesus is now with you always. And the comfort in that is he doesn't always take away the storms or the rocky places, but he's with you. And the one that is with you is now greater than whatever may come against you. We talked about that the next week, that Jesus is for you, that he came that you may have life and life in abundance, that he's a good God, that he loves you, that he cares about you, and he's got a plan for your life. Uh, last week we talked about that Jesus is grace. Um, quite often we can have a, a perception of God as an angry judge or um, a, a big thundering figure in the sky, but Jesus kind of um, troubles that in that he reveals himself of a God of grace and love and truth. And it's important that we see him that way because the way we see God is the way that we will relate to him. Uh, and our final topic for today is Jesus is hope. Uh, and I'm just going to pray before we get into that this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are hope. I thank you that you're the light of the world. Thank you for each and every person here this morning. Lord, would you speak to each of us in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if anyone here has ever had an advent calendar. Maybe put your hand up if you've had an advent calendar. Well, it's quite a few. I was thinking about that uh, as I prepared for this message, and I never got one advent calendar growing up. My parents are over there if you want to shame them and give them some evils. I feel like I got robbed as a child, questioning if I was that loved. But uh, anyway, I thought I'd go the other way, and Ivy's got two advent calendars this year. One from my auntie, she gets a, a puzzle piece in a little pouch that she opens and a little coin and she makes, adds one piece to the puzzle each day and puts a coin in her little money box and we got her a traditional one where she gets a piece of chocolate which is by far her favourite. Uh, and it's so cool seeing her every day wake up with like this expectation of being able to open the pouch or the chocolate for that day um, because that's the idea behind Advent, it's this idea of expectant waiting. It's meant to build a sense of anticipation for where Christ entered the world, for where hope came, for when light came, for when a saviour came into the world. The word advent, it comes from the Latin word adventus, which literally means coming or arrival. It kind of carries this connotation of waiting for that hope to come. And this season leading up to Christmas has been a block of time that the church has used historically for hundreds of years to engage in that Christmas story afresh, to engage in, in the story of Christ, of God coming into the world. Because the thing is, is when Jesus entered the world, everything changed. Hope entered the world, light entered the world, Heaven came to earth, heaven broke through, and I think that we can't really understand the magnitude of what it meant when Jesus arrived if we don't understand the context to what she entered the world in. So I'm going to take us on a, a very quick history lesson. I'm probably covering about 4,000 years in, in a few minutes, so I'm skipping a few parts. But in the beginning, God created the world, and at the center of his creation was humanity. It was kind of his centerpiece 
And his design for, for humanity was to be in rich relationship with him, for humanity to walk with the creator, for them to reflect his character to the world, for them to multiply and extend his goodness across all of the, all of the earth. However, humanity rebelled against God. They decided they wanted to be their own God. They decided that they wanted to decide from them, for themselves what was right or wrong. Uh, and, and that's what the Bible would call sin. And as a result of this, humanity would take on a fallen nature. The human heart would be tainted. And they couldn't live up to that original commission, that original plan that God had for the world. And following on from that, every human that would be born into the world would have the same problem where there may be an intention to do good and to live a good life and to live as the people that God had called them to live, but sin was a constant problem. You know, it was only a few years into this book that we see that what God started in perfection and love and harmony, there was the first murder committed, there was violence, there was perversion, there was lust, and we can kind of look around in the world today and we can see glimpses of beauty of what the world should be, but we also see it tainted by evil and darkness and despair. Um, you know, but God loved humans so much that even though humanity would turn from God, God would chase after them. He came up with a plan and he said, I'm going to select one person and from that person, I'm going to make a nation and I'm going to teach that nation how to be the people of God. I'm going to relate to them in a special way. I'm going to give them my law. I'm going to reveal my character and I'm going to teach them to walk as the way that I had always planned for humanity. And through them, the hope was that they would be this lighthouse to the world that would draw the others back, that through their relationship with God, they would see God for who he is. They would see how this world was intended to be. Uh, and that nation was Israel. They had a great history with God. God delivered them out of slavery. He gave them his law, which was kind of the, the blueprint for how humans would relate to each other. They constructed a, a temple for his worship. They dwelt in a land he gave them to inherit. Um, but Israel, like all the other nations too, no matter how hard they tried, they still had this problem of sin. No matter how hard they wanted to live up, no matter how good, hard they wanted to be the people of God, they could never do it because they had this problem of sin in their hearts. And when we read through the Bible, it's kind of in the Old Testament, it's the cycle of, of God coming and showing mercy and grace and love and restoring Israel. And they'd, they'd walk with him for a while, but slowly, ever slowly, they'd start to rebel and turn away in destruction. It would be these cycles of God rescuing Israel sinning, God restoring Israel trying. It was this cycle of sin year after year after year. And eventually, because of their rebellion and their sin, they would find themselves exiled from the special land that God had given them. Uh, he, his presence would leave the temple. They had failed. They had failed to be the light that God had called them to be, to be the people of God. They had failed. And that was kind of the context that, that the backdrop to what Jesus entered into. But all throughout this time, there were prophets. Prophets were people from God that would kind of uh, share his voice with the community. And all throughout this time, they were prophesying, saying, there's hope. A saviour's coming. Someone is coming that's going to be able to deal with this problem. There's hope. Hope is on the way time and time again. And one of my favourite prophecies is from Isaiah, and this is in Isaiah 9.6. Isaiah said this far before Christ was born. He says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. 
His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So there were these prophets speaking again and again, but there was this time of silence. So from the the time the last prophet spoke, there were 400 years would pass before Jesus would come. And during that time, the the Israelites didn't have control of their land. There was foreign uh, rulership that was often quite oppressive. And so they were in this phase of expectant waiting, waiting for this promised Messiah, waiting for someone to come and deliver them, waiting for someone to come and restore them. The posture that they had, they they were crying out to God for this promised Messiah. That was the the context that Jesus entered into. It was a people that were acutely aware of their sin and of the consequences that it would have for their lives and this world. Jesus was the promised hope that not only Israel needed, but the world at large needed. And when Jesus did come, hope arrived, but not in the way that those Israelites thought. They were expecting a a military ruler to come in and power and lord over and reign and kick out the Roman oppression and and wage war on all of Israel's enemies and, and restore the kingdom that way. But as we know, God is different to the way humans think and he had a different plan to that. Quite the, con- quite the contrary, his son would come as a humble baby, fully reliant on those around him. He would be born in a feeding trough, in a manger. He would empty himself of all of his divine rights. Think about that, the king of glory. He would empty himself and be born in a manger. He would live humbly as a servant. We read accounts of him washing his followers' feet, and he would, he would walk among and dwell among humanity. He would experience what it is like to be a human. He would spend his time with everyday people, with fishermen, with businessmen, with tax collectors, with prostitutes, with uh, doctors. And when his time of ministry would come, he would heal the sick, he would feed the hungry, he would preach good news to the poor, He would forgive the guilty. He would restore the broken. He would live the perfect, sinless, righteous life that no one else could live. He would perfectly show us who God is. And the climax of the story would come when he would willingly offer himself up on a cross for the very people that put him there. In love, he would have his arms wide open and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He would make a way for people to be forgiven of the sin that had plagued humanity from the beginning, this cycle that couldn't be broken, this thing that I think if we're honest of, we can all identify with. You know, I don't have to, I can't even live up to my own standard a lot of the time, less than the standard of God. And Jesus came to forgive us from that, and not only that, but to restore us to relationship with God, to empower us to live the life that we were always called to live and to give us an eternal hope that goes beyond this life because that's where hope really is. He wouldn't establish his kingdom by war or human power or might, but by mercy, love, humility, grace, and servanthood. Hope had come in human form in Jesus. Hope came in the form of a humble baby. And I'm going to read the account in in Matthew 1, and if I can just have Simone up. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. You see, the great hope that Jesus offers, it's salvation from sin and it's eternal union with God. It's a hope that no one else can offer and it's also a hope that no one else can take away. You know, we often hope for material things in in this short life, this 80-year life. We hope for breakthrough, changes in circumstance, things to get better. And sometimes they happen and it's great, but sometimes they don't and it's really tough and there's confusion, and there's questions. Or other times we put our hope in material things, a healthy body, a healthy marriage, money in our bank account, an intellect or a a good social standing. But as we all know, those things are shaky. They can come and go. We can lose them in an instant. And everything that we've put our hope in and built our lives on can be taken away. You see, the one hope that is certain and steadfast is salvation through Jesus Christ. It cannot be taken. It cannot be shaken. It endures forever. As we're in this time of Advent, it's a time to reflect and remember how hope broke into this world and saved us. But it also points to something beyond Jesus' birth. It points to his coming back again where he will return in power and glory and he will restore his creation. He will right every wrong. He will rid sin and death and evil in this world. Everything will be as it was always meant to be. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more broken relationships, no more suffering, no more evil. And those that have called on his name and received his forgiveness will dwell with the Lord forever in harmony, in unity with heaven on earth. So just a few final thoughts as I come to close. As we head into Christmas, let's all remember the reason for the season. Let's be different to the culture around which would be telling us to rush to deadlines, telling us to buy more things than we can afford sucking us into stress and materialism. Let's remember that this is a time to expectantly wait and to remember hope came in the form of a baby and that hope has changed our lives forever. We should also use this as a time to look forward. You know, our hope isn't in this life. If our hope is in this life only, we're going to be very disappointed. But there's a hope that goes beyond. It's a time to look forward and in the midst of hard things in our lives and perhaps stressful times, there might be family members who aren't here this Christmas. 
There might be uh, broken down in relationship and someone's not around that dinner table. There might be someone in your life that's sick, that's mentally unwell, that's physically sick. Your bank account might be looking pretty pretty um, sorrowful. You might be full of stress, but there's hope beyond this. And it's a time to remember, man, this stuff might be going on, but he's coming back again. He's restoring everything. And he promises to keep me when my faith is in him. So I've got two final thoughts to share with you this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to let you know that salvation is available to you. He's a God that won't coerce you or force you. He gives you free will. He's chosen you and he asks the question, will you choose me back? Salvation is available to you. And if you're here this morning and you've made that decision, hope is coming again. Hope is coming again. He's with you and he's going to perfect everything. And this is a time to celebrate and rejoice. So if everyone could stand to their feet, I'm just going to close by praying. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. I don't think our minds can truly fathom your love. Lord, that you would empty yourself of your divine rights, of your power, Lord, and you would come as a baby, live a life with humility and obscurity. You would serve, you would walk with, you would dwell among you were the perfect picture of love. And though you were completely innocent, Lord, you would hang on, hang on that cross for our guilt. You would extend your arms. You would have those nails go through your hands while we were at our worst, while we put you there, while we wanted nothing to do with you. But when you came, hope reached out. Hope broke through. A way was made. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that you will consummate what you inaugurated when you came. That everything will be restored. Lord, we thank you for this time of Christmas. Would it be a time of peace and joy and family and love and of remembrance? I bless each and every person here. Father, would each and every person know your love in a deeper way, know the hope that is found in you, and know your grace that is unending. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.